1: I believe we all have those moments we look back on and think, man, I should have shared the gospel. I knew I was supposed to, but I just, I, I, I couldn't. I, I was afraid. We'll help you overcome that fear next on Abounding Grace. As we saw yesterday and again today, it is a challenge to be bold for the gospel, but that is precisely what the Apostle Paul is helping us to overcome here today on Abounding Grace in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. It's there that he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and it's his hope and prayer as he writes and pens out the rest of Romans that you and I would follow suit. We're going to help you do just that today. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's Abounding Grace.
2: We are His dwelling place by the Spirit, His living temple. And He says, and it was His hope on the cross. Read Psalm 22 this evening. Paul says in Hebrews 2.12, it's the reality now. And when the church assembles, Jesus Christ is there in its midst preaching the Word of God to us. Right now, you might be saying, I've seen it and I've never heard his voice. In that case, you may still be in the valley of dry bones, beloved, because faith doesn't look at self. Faith sees this is the word of God. This is the word that brings me out of my tomb, out of my sin, and out of my death. It is Christ's voice preaching. He is the centerpiece of the gospel. All of the covenants of God are fulfilled in him. We need to hear his voice in preaching. Let me tell you something. Now, some of you may have a hard time believing what I'm about to tell you. But I've become more and more persuaded by this. We're looking around for the reasons for our catastrophe. Collapsing economics currencies that lose value crazy men and women running things in washington and california sacramento and we wonder where is all of this coming from maybe we need a change of men in high places that certainly wouldn't be a bad thing but what is the reason i think the reason is because the voice of god is silent in this land and there are many, many churches, however different they may be on secondary things, where the Bible is not even open. And the Bible is the sword going out of Christ's mouth. And he says that with that sword, the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. You have to understand. That's what go- what's going on in the West is not because education has failed. Oh, it has. But why has it failed? Jesus Is killing it. Currencies are depreciating. Manipulated. Why? It is because Jesus is manipulating. And depressing them. Why is this? What did Isaiah chapter 60 verse 12 prophesy? That nation or that kingdom. That does not serve you Lord. Will be utterly ground to powder. And we don't like to hear that. Yeah, but there are Christians here. Sure, there are Christians here. But that's why he is destroying. That is why in his preaching and in his teaching, yes, he is giving life to people. But he's also bringing down corrupt systems that are in rebellion against him. It doesn't happen in a day. It can happen over centuries, but understand the reality is not Democrat, Republican, conservative, or liberal. The reality is not rural, agrarian, or urban and suburban. Those are not the realities. The reality is Jesus reigns and sees all men and nations in one of two groups. Not black and white, rich and poor, smart and stupid, but as sheep and goats. My church And those who are destined to hell. The nations and men who kiss me, he says. And the nations and men that spit on my cross and would crucify me if they got half a chance. That is how Jesus sees things. And his breath goes forth. And his preaching of the gospel is his voice. Doesn't that make a huge difference? When you think about someone at work. I really need to share the gospel with him. I don't know if I can. I've got a neighbor who really needs to hear about Christ, but I don't know if I can. Oh, the gospel. Remember, it's not complicated. When you share the gospel with people, you don't have to get into double predestination right at the outset. Of course not. It is Christ and him crucified. Sinners raised by sovereign mercy to do life. He did it to me. When you speak that gospel or when it's preached among God's people, Christ is preaching it. How can it fail to do what it's been called to do? Now, like I said at the beginning, he doesn't always bring salvation at that instant. Sometimes he plants a seed and someone else comes along. Let's face it. What would we be like if everyone we shared the gospel with immediately got on their face and confessed their sin and turned to Christ. We would most likely have a pride struggle on our hands, would we not? So he is saying to do this thing through human weakness, to keep on our knees and to keep us on our needs and dependent. And also, don't forget, sometimes when he gives that word, his purpose is not to save. His purpose is to damn you might say i can't deal with a jesus like that you better learn to deal with him because that's the only jesus there is my friends it is the christ who reigns on high in glory and mercy and he says come take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly of heart you will find rest for your soul and he is also that jesus who told the church in Revelation 2, unless you repent, I will come and kill your children. So this is not a Jesus we can trifle with. He doesn't have a nose of wax that we can mold and lie to and turn him into a therapist or a psychologist. He is the eternal Son of God, clothed in our nature, crucified, raised from the dead, and reigning. He is the Lord and Christ. Speak the gospel, disciple. Do it humbly. Do it joyfully. Do it expectantly, because when that word is spoken of and talked about, it has the power of God behind it. You might think, well, I've been telling it to my children for 20 years. And my son or daughter don't even talk to me any longer. He or she just does their own thing. I understand that. God's word is either going to bring them around. Or when they stand before God one day. His word is going to condemn them. Jesus is going to say to that son or daughter. Do you remember when your daddy told you about me? Do you remember all those times your mama cried to you and said, you need to come to Christ, and you rejected it? That very word that came out of your mama's mouth is now going to consign you to everlasting hell. Read Revelation 19 and 20, when God throws sinners into the lake of fire. Everyone is not going to be going around wringing their hands, thinking, oh no, my mama didn't tell me anything My mama didn't even make me listen. My daddy didn't make me listen. Well, that's not what heaven is going to be doing. Heaven is going to shout, look at the justice and the magnificence of Almighty God, and you rejected it. We tend to look at salvation purely in personal terms. God looks at it in respect to his own glory, the glory of his mercy and the glory of his justice. But it sure puts a different spin on you speaking the truth, doesn't it? When in your place of work and in your home, you realize what this is. This is the gospel of God. This is the very power of God and the salvation. But you've got to have something if it's going to be good news to you. Notice what it says in Romans 1. To everyone who believes. You see, faith is absolutely necessary. When it comes to the gospel, at least in receiving it in a saving way. It's interesting when he says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What does that mean? Well, to the Jew first, God's original promises were with them. But of course, to the Greek or to the Gentiles also, because the promises were for them from the very beginning too. remember, because in Abraham, God told him all the nations will be blessed in you. But there was an order, and the apostles generally followed that order. They went to the synagogues, but the Jews rejected them. Then they went to the Gentiles. Think with me for just a minute. What happened to the Jews? Why did the Jews reject Christ? Remember Moses in Exodus. Think of all the things that God's people saw. Can you imagine the stories that you would have to tell had you walked in those days? And you saw the death cloud coming through Egypt and killing all of Egypt's firstborn. And then you stood at the Red Sea and saw the sea split in half as God protected them. And his people walked through on dry land while the Egyptian army was drowned. And then you come to Mount Sinai and you hear God's voice. It didn't do them any good. That whole generation completely perished. You might say, well, there you go. That's proof that God's word is not the power of God unto salvation. No, it's proof of just the opposite. Because that word they rejected killed them. It was because of their rejection. Hebrews chapter 4.2 says that the word that was preached to them did not profit because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Many of the children of Israel sat under the ministries of Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. They were like angels that came down from heaven preaching God's word, but the whole nation was carried off into exile and only a small remnant was saved. What is the point here? We must believe God's word, not to make it the power of salvation, but so that power doesn't kill us. And that that power saves us and brings us into the blessings of salvation. How do we know we have faith? Let me mention just a couple of things. Faith is critical. So how do you know you have it today? Maybe you're thinking what you heard today isn't that important. I haven't even heard God's voice. I've not seen any flaming fires. I certainly haven't seen Jesus with a... Any halo and long hair and golden brown beard. I didn't see any of that stuff today. When we come to hear God's word in the church. As families or as individuals. When you're gathered around your dad. When he reads to you the Bible. Or when you go to Wednesday night study. And your teacher is teaching you. Out of the word of God. Are you paying attention? Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is not sitting around and saying, well, this is interesting. I I like the way the preacher expounds God's word. Faith is not critiquing so you can catch the preacher making an error and then maybe I'll feel better about myself if I see him making mistakes. It's not an intellectual enterprise. Faith is when we turn from our thoughts and our ways to God. Faith comes to expression when we say, not my thoughts, but God's word is what is important. Faith, when we are convicted of our sin, says, flee to the cross. There is mercy. There is forgiveness. When we feel our weakness, faith says, I can't please my God. So I'm going to cry out to Christ right here where he is to help me. I've been listening to the preacher and I know he's telling me I need to have the boldness of the disciples to speak of Christ because God's word in his gospel is his power unto salvation. But I don't have it. Do you know what faith is doing when you say this? Faith faces its weakness honestly. It doesn't pretend. It doesn't wear a mask. Faith says, God, help me. Faith says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Faith says, Lord, give what you have promised. I feel my weakness. I feel my sinfulness. I feel exposed and naked before you. Give me covering. Give me righteousness. Give me strength. Faith doesn't just sit there and twiddle its fingers and every once in a while checks its phone to see if he got an email. Faith says, I want what God has promised in his word. And then God's word begins to affect even great things in our congregation. More than we have ever seen. Don't think our experience by any means so far has reached its height. We may have just reached kindergarten as a congregation. God doesn't do mighty works where there is little faith, where there is small belief in his word. And if nothing else, faith is humble when God gives it the word. Read Deuteronomy 1 through Deuteronomy 1, uh, 9 this evening, if you have the opportunity. And see how many times the Lord says, listen, I gave you my word. Think how many people are perishing today while they're having a great time watching some kind of ball game. They're tailgating down at the AT&T Park. Oh, I wish I could be there, we might say. You do? You wish you were where God has not been pleased to say, I'm going to give you my voice. I'm going to give you back a part of the Garden of Eden. You've got to hear me, he says. You see, faith says, There's nothing more precious than for God to speak to me. There's nothing more precious than for God to give me his book and give me someone as weak as he may be, inconsistent as he may be, who opens God's book and who teaches me his word. Children, do you sit there in your own home and you have parents who open the book to you and you just sit there and think, boy, I could be doing many, so many more interesting things than having this silly devotion. My homework is really pressing on me. My TV show is on after all. I'm missing out on something. God gave you a daddy. God gave you a mother. Who loves you so much. That they want you to have his word as your guiding light. So that you can live to please him who died. So that you might have eternal bliss. And have a more joyful life. Even here on this side of the grave. How could we dare not want to listen to his voice either here at church or at home and give it our full attention? To not do so, my friends, is to reject Christ himself. Faith just doesn't sit there and say, oh, well, I'm a Presbyterian. What do I expect? Oh, I've got to listen. To an hour long sermon once a week. Faith says. I want God's word. I want his gospel. I want his son. I want life abundant. I want grace. I want to please him. Because I know. The only thing that will transform me. Is for God to come to me. And call me out of my tomb. And give me his life and his power. Father's. Would you like to see your homes godlier? What about your marriages? Would you like your wife to be more responsive to you? Would you like them to be tenderer and see them happier? Would you like to see your sons rising up after you, knowing these boys are going to be better Christians than you have ever been? Would you like to see that? Fathers and husbands, would you like to see more of your own lusts and worries and fears and cares and meanness and stupidity pushed aside more and more? And in its place, righteousness growing, oh, not perfectly, but you see it because God is doing it in you. Do you want that? There's only one place to have it for God to continue to come to you with his gospel and preach to your heart. Your lives, Dad, must be lived before an open book, meditating upon it and loving Jesus for it. And if you are not, don't you dare come to me and complain. My wife is not what she needs to be. My first question is going to be Do you have your nose in the book? Is your family in the book? Because if you're not in the book, I have nothing to say to you. I can't do anything for you. I can do nothing for you. Oh, you can go to a therapist and pay $100 an hour, but he won't do you any good except maybe change your idol. But it won't change you. The only thing that will change you is your life lived in this book. This is God's voice. And it is the voice of His Son enthroned at the right hand of the Father, And by the power of the Holy Spirit, it will transform you. Wives, do you want your husbands to be better? Do you want them to be godlier, kinder, more responsive, tender, more understanding? Do you want your children to be happier and holier so you don't have to worry about them so much? You might say, well, I take them to this project and I take them to this game and I take them to do this and they're all well-rounded. I've given them all these things. It won't do you any good. It will just create more distracted Americans. One thing, mamas. Live in an open book. God's holy word. It is the power unto salvation. Get your family to where God's word is preached as often as it is preached. Be where Jesus is preaching. You might say, yeah, but... Sometimes I just don't get anything out of it. Well, that has more to say about you than it has to do with the preached word. How about you singles? Are you in the book? I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. Life just seems to be passing me by. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Your life is not just passing you by if God's voice is directing you. Are you allowing that? It's simple. Are you in the book? Are you serving God's people or are you letting trivial things intervene? Do you want life? Do you want righteousness? Do you want peace? Do you want contentment? Do you want holiness? Do you want victory over sin? Sometimes you even want physical healing. Then stay in the book. Stay in the Word of God. It has the power unto salvation. That is God telling you that. So, to all of us, today I say this there is no other power, there is no other Word, and there is no other Savior that is governing this world except the Lord Jesus Christ, whose gospel is God's power unto salvation. Do you feel sometimes awkward? Do you feel embarrassed with the gospel? Then go back and think of mercy. And the power of God that is preached and exercised when God's word is even uttered. Only the Lord Jesus Christ governs this world. There is no other. Oh beloved, never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is powerful to transform lives and nations or to condemn for eternity. You are going to spend eternity thanking God for sending you someone your way To tell you about mercy and about grace and about Christ. Do you love God's word? Do you crave it? Or has it lost its impact on your life? Are you back in the valley of bones? Only God's voice can bring you out. And he will. Because the very fact he has blessed you to come and hear his gospel today. He is saying. Come to me and be saved and energized to speak God's voice to others. I pray the Lord will give us a heart like Paul's to be able to confess, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the heartbeat of my soul. It is my life. I love it. I love my Savior, and he loves me. Amen.